109. Two and a half marks podcast for Wednesday the seven. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Angelo Glisa as we rewatch We Will They and Remember a different wrestling pay-per-view every single week. And we're back this week with the first of a two-parter. We haven't had many WrestleManias uh, on this show. And uh, but we have a WrestleMania here and it's a four hour WrestleMania. So we're doing a split in half. Not even I can fucking listen. I wrestled twice this weekend. If my voice is a little not what it is, it's because I yell a lot when I wrestle. Um, And I, you know, I'm I'm fucking tired. I got my back fucking screwed up. You know, I got scratched all over. I took a you know, I. I got pinned like five times this week. It sucks, you know? <laughs> He's a physical so, freak, ladies and gentlemen. We have WrestleMania 26, the one from 2010. Of course, we all remember this one for the instant classic Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match. Arguably the greatest WrestleMania match in the history of WrestleMania. I don't think you can, uh, you know, it, it's certainly in the conversation. Um and we're, but we're not going to be doing that. We're going to be doing all the undercard stuff all through the first of the, like, big matches, which is, of course, the return of Bret Hart. Uh, his first match in 10 years, first WrestleMania match in 13 years, and it, of course, is against Vince McMahon and one of the oddest fucking matches in the history of wrestling. It's so fucking weird. Um, but there is some fun stuff on this show. Uh, really looking forward to talking about it. What's going on, Ange? Yeah, it's a really solid undercard. Um, like you look up and down, you got some good names. Um, I thought the, the, the standout thing here was, uh, with the exception of Bret Hart and Vince McMahon, all the matches that w- did not have like a title or prize on the line were very well thought out, story told matches for the most part. And I'd say the only one that really wasn't had two great workers that, you know, we don't really have a lot of like video evidence of them working together. Uh, and it's a very weird, interesting dynamic that you don't see these two in more matches together. Uh, I thought it was a very fun, you know, start off to the show. There's a match I wish got a little bit more time and a match that I wish got a little bit less time. But again, like this is like this is the 2010s. It felt so much simpler back then. Life was just so simple and easy. Uh, sophomore year of high school, I think. No, that was actually, no, 2010 is going to be eighth grade. Shoot. Uh, overestimated there. But it was just a simpler time. Uh, they did a great opening video here with, uh, like, they talk about the WrestleMania moments. It felt like uh, they were talking about, I think, in 2020, the first COVID one, where they're saying, I need a WrestleMania moment. Uh, and it felt overplayed and cheesy. But this, they kind of thread the needle here on this one. And I would say that, like, there's a lot here. Like, they give you a lot of oh shit moments. And I think that's kind of like, you know, what you want WrestleMania to do. There are some, they were on their fucking game with some video packages here. Uh, yeah, I really like the opening video package. And the one with the Brett Vince one was very good story yeah. on that one. Uh, much better than the actual match. <laughs> Honestly, you can't really call it a match. Uh, it's very bizarre. But yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a fun group of matches. Very little on here is like bad. You know, you get the money in the bank ladder match, which you know I you know it's it's you know it's its own pay per view, and it's like now like a bigger pay per view, right? I feel like at this point, money in the bank is like the biggest non uh like big four pay-per-view or at least it has been in the past but i do kind of miss when the money in the bank was like a mania tradition you know very that's, much that's agreed what it was that's what it was initially 
And I kind of missed that. Um, but David, you don't think the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal uh, is a s- suitable substitute for the Money they, in the Bank? They didn't even have that shit on TV this year, right? Like they did it at fucking like like the Access or whatever. Or like no, didn't they do it at, like the Hall of Fame or? Yeah, they did it before the Hall of Fame. Yeah, which like who gives a shit, man? I don't even know who won this year. Was it Omos? Didn't he win? Or was that the year? La- no, Lashley won actually because uh, he was supposed he was supposed to face Bray and they didn't have anything for him, so they threw him threw him in there and he won. Okay, well I don't fucking know. Uh, that shows you how much attention I fucking paid. Uh, speaking of battle royals, I believe there was one before this. Ma- like you know, like this was back before they gave the- like they had always for a long time at least done a battle royal before Mania. That was like a dark match, just to like, you know, get everybody who's on the roster, who isn't booked in Mania, just get them to Mania. Let them let them get out there, you know, which I've always I always thought was a cool thing. Um, but you want to guess? I, do you know who won? I mean, I'm, I, 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 for the Don't Mania? Don't look it up because I'm asking you as a trivia question. Uh, I, look, I already looked it up because I pulled up the Wikipedia. Who won the Mania Battle Royal in 2010? I, I already have the answer in front of me because I pull up the Wikipedia. So it's it's been spoiled before you answered. Fucking asshole. Would you have ever guessed it in a billion years, though? No, not at all. Because I forget this guy exists. Uh, uh, fans of All Japan Pro Wrestling wish they could forget this guy exists. We're talking about Yoshi Tatsu, ladies and gentlemen. Yoshi Tatsu was the big winner of the uh, Battle Royal this year, which is wild that he was the pick. Uh, wild. Um, but yeah, they went <laughs> Yoshi Tatsu. I'm looking at the, the roster. It is an array of guys, man. Yoshi Tatsu won. He eliminated Zack Ryder last, but some of the names in here, I mean, you got some guys who were like pretty well pushed. You have some like, you know, Mark Henry's and Kali's and Santino's and guys who were always featured, but like just didn't find their way onto the card. You have like, fucking uh slam master j which was the fucking like jesse from jesse and festus had like a rapper gimmick <laughs> um and you have like guys like fucking uh like the kung fu naki gimmick mike knox is still around at this point lance archer when he was in his brief as uh, vance archer <laughs> we, have, we have lance archer and trent beretta in this uh two, two guys who would get way more over after they left um, yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun read of guys that ended up in this uh, battle royal. Uh, but yeah, overall, you know, overall pretty fun. Overall pretty fun, I think. Um, could have been way worse, you know. And and some matches that I, I really liked. Um, so it sounds like we're ready to remember some guys here, Angelo. Let's remember the guys, David. Let's remember some guys. It is March twenty eighth. 2010, we are at the home of the Arizona Cardinals, the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. A listed attendance of 72,219 people. That's a lot of people, folks. Uh, And they've got a lot to see here. Uh, The colossal streak versus career match, of course, is in the main event. Taker and Sean. Taker's undefeated streak, which at the time was 18-0. Uh, versus Shawn Michaels, he can't break the streak. He is going to retire from pro wrestling. So that is the big match. We also have a couple of world title matches later on. And, of course, the return 
of Bret Hart to the ring. His first match in 10 years, his first WrestleMania match in 13 years. Uh, something that we never thought maybe we would ever see again. Bret Hart in a WWE ring. Uh, probably something that we never should have seen again. Uh, but that's what we've got to lead us off. Uh, we're going up through the Bret Hart versus uh, Vince McMahon match on this half of the show. And then we're going to get the last four matches next time. Uh, we got Justin Roberts welcoming us to WrestleMania. We get the big jet flyover, you know, NFL style. Um, we have former American Idol winner Fantasia singing America the Beautiful. If you bet the over, uh, I think the over probably hit on this one. Uh, she takes forever to even start. Like, she's just like vocalizing and like not singing for like a while. Really milked it. You gotta applaud that. Always bet the over. Yeah. Over hit on this one. Uh, we have the booth of Michael Cole, Jerry the King Lawler, and Matt Stryker. And we start off with a tag team title match. Unified Tag Team Championship is on the line. It is the team of R-Truth doing a, a WrestleMania What's Up rap. We love it. Um, and John Morrison. I didn't remember this tag team ever existing. The uh, R-Truth John Morrison tag team. Um, nope. They are challenging the team of Show Miz, Big Show, and The Miz, who have one of the worst tag team matches <laughs> of all time. Awful. Miz walks to the ring triple belted up because he's the unified tag champ, so he has both sets of tag belts. And he's also the universal, or not the universal, the United States champion at the time. So he's got three belts. Show has two. Of course... Uh, Ms. Morrison, former and future tag team champions together. Um, and Ms. and R-Truth also a team later on. Uh, so Ms. has been in a tag team with like literally everyone who has ever lived. Uh, is what I'm saying. Um, Dave Meltzer reports that these guys had their time shortened abruptly, like sharply. So they only get like, they basically rush like, they like cut everything else out. And go straight to, like, the last few minutes. And, like, the little bit we get is pretty fun. Uh, we have Morrison. He does a cool breakdance thing on Miz. And then uh, Truth hits a big diving leg drop. Um, then Show catches Truth, launches him with a fallaway slam that, like, almost throws him into fucking low Earth orbit. Because Big Show is so huge. Um, big Show tries to climb up to the top rope. Uh, presumably for some sort of Vader-type maneuver. Uh, Vader um, Morrison kicks him in the face. Show takes a big bump back into the ring. Uh, Morrison gets his hot tag. He goes for Starship Pain on the Miz, but Show pulls Miz out of the ring, so he eats shit. Truth tries to then hit a Pescado, but Show catches him, throws him into the post, and then Big Show blind tags in. And while Morrison is trying to do a cool springboard move on the Miz, he socks him with the fucking KO punch, and Big Show gets the pin. They retain the titles. Three minutes and 20 seconds. I wonder where those, I'm assuming, five minutes went because this match felt five minutes too short. I was really vibing with it. This was fun. Like, granted, the teams make zero sense. Uh, it feels like, again, the state of tag team wrestling in the early 20-teens was not the greatest. Because it's all thrown together. They don't have any actual tag teams. It's all yeah. like thrown together. Like, okay, The Miz and R-Truth are a tag team now. Like Miz now, and Morrison made sense. The Miz are a tag team. Now, like, there's no point there's no compelling reason 
for Big Show and The Miz, who have nothing in common in any way or shape or form. But you will be a tag team. But you see, David, David, you know how show business is shortened occasionally to show biz, show Miz. It's there. It's only there for the pun. (laughs) And it's not that good of a pun. That's some me-ass booking right there. Yeah, it's just some really goofy shit. It's yeah. Both these teams are just utterly random. Um, God bless our truth. If you told me that he was one of the most pure-hearted individuals on the face of the earth, I would believe you. That guy is just always entertaining, always funny. I think he does the most with whatever he's given. I love that guy, and I I love having him come up on the podcast. Shout out to our truth. Starship Paint also really cool ass move. I never really got the power level of it because it's not like it looked cooler than the impact it had which is kind of like the crossroads for me. It's like, it, it's a cool looking move, but like as far as impact goes, it, it leaves a little bit for me to be desired. Although sometimes you would come down really hard on those guys uh, with that move. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, that, I, I really want this match to go five more minutes. You had three really good workers out there. Big show was looking extra big in the good way. Like sometimes there's, he looks big in the bad way, but here he's looking big in a good way, but yeah, yeah it just still, still wasn't looking bad. But it's just like, man, I, I wish I had more time on this match. Yeah, I have a very clear memory of the first time I ever watched uh, John Morrison hit the Starship Pain. And I was like, you know, like, whatever, you know, 13, 14. And I remember it, like, really broke my brain trying to, like, imagine, like, what the fuck he was doing and, like, how he did it. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. It just looks so cool. And it's still cool. And, you know, he's still hitting it today. It looks just as good, you know? How many G's do you think he hits on that thing? I don't know, man. He's he's throttling up. He's throttling up. It's a lot of rotations. Yeah, it's fun. It's a, it's a cool move. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because, yeah, it's it's so clear that they just, like, uh, they, they got their time shortened hard. And they were like, okay, well, we'll just kind of skip to, the, like, what's right before the Morrison hot tag? Uh, we'll just kind of do something and then get there and then we'll just do the finish, you know? Um, and yeah, the, the, the little we get is fun. Um, I guess they needed that extra time to show us the highlights from the, uh, WrestleMania Pro-Am golf tournament, which they do right after this. Um, I needed to see, uh, Santino, uh, common, uh, comically, uh, shank his drive 500 yards to the right. He's just like me. Uh, because he's a he's a goofball, he's a comic character, and uh, he's there's no way he could he could he could hit a, a drive straight down the fairway. He's a fucking nerd. Uh, so we needed that. We needed that whole uh, we needed that whole gimmick. We needed that whole uh, montage, and uh, that's why we didn't get sixty five percent of this match. Um, fair trade, fair trade. Is that yeah? Maybe you know, depends on how much you like. Uh, John Morrison. I personally think he's really cool. And he was great on Survivor David vs. Goliath. Um, but yeah, we get to see the, all the spoofs and goofs on the golf course. And then we go up next uh, Next up. You guys remember, you remember the Shield triple threat? You remember that whole, you know, everyone was really excited about that? Let me do you one better. We got the Legacy triple threat. Ooh, baby. Be more important. Uh, much bigger deal. Uh, it is the legacy triple threat. Um, it is the, you know, so it it is the former, the former legacy group, Randy Orton and the other two, uh, the Nepo babies of WWE. Uh, Randy Orton's been an asshole to them 
which, I mean, in retrospect, Ted DiBiase Jr. kind of deserved it. Um, and they are uh, tired of their shit, and they want to kick his ass. And so now we have a, uh, a triple threat match between the three former members of the Legacy. It is a man who is apparently destined to go to federal prison for defrauding <laughs> the state of Mississippi of millions of dollars, Ted DiBiase Jr. Um, Cody Rhodes, who, very weird Cody music here, kind of kind of shitty music. Um, he's, I, is anyone in this match a baby? I guess Orton's a baby face. Orton's here. a baby face. Yeah, but he's still a dick. Um, and of course, it is Randy Orton. Guess which one of these three guys is over in this match. I'll give you three guesses which one is the one that the crowd... Uh, Cody Rhodes. No, this is about ten years too early for that. Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. More more like eight, we'll say. No, it's not Ted DiBiase Jr. Uh, Matt Stryker. People love, people love Matt Stryker, honestly. Uh, no, it's, you know, Randy Orton. Cran- fans go crazy for Randy Orton. They are, you know, they, they are behind him the whole way. Um, so the whole story of this match is Randy Orton was an asshole to the other two guys in Legacy forever, and they want to kick his ass. So they both really try to team up or- uh, team up on Orton. First, Orton's able to, to outmaneuver them, but eventually the numbers catch up. Uh, Ted Jr., really nice-looking dropkick. Um, have to give him that. And they put the boots to him. They beat him down for a very large part of this match. Um, eventually, they do a high-low clothesline. Ted tries to get the pin on Randy Orton, but Cody breaks it up. And they start to have some, you know, some, some conflict. Uh, Cody tosses him out, hits Randy Orton with an Alabama slam. Ted gets back into the ring. They start fighting. There's a funny spot where, like, they start fighting. And, like, Cody's on top of him, punching him. And then they see Randy Orton get up. They immediately stop fighting each other. They're like, oh shit, we need to keep our eye on the ball here. We gotta go get Randy. They immediately stop fighting each other and start going after Randy. And then Randy Orton just, you know, basically gets his whole comeback on both of them. He just, you know, kicks their asses. He hits, they hit uh, power slams on both guys. Hits his weird behind-the-back backbreaker thing that, like, the only two people I've ever seen do it are him and Okada. I love that move. I love it. It's weird. They're, like, the only two guys I've ever seen do it. Um... He fires up for the RKO. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. pulls Randy Orton out of the ring. Um, Cody, in the ring, tries to hit a Piscato to the floor. Randy, like, grabs Ted and pulls him in the way. So Cody takes Ted out. Ted starts bleeding. I don't know where he got busted open, but he's bleeding somewhere around here. They get back in the ring. He hits double draping DDTs. Um, Starts calling for the RKO on Cody. But as Cody's starting to work up, he changes his mind. And he pulls out the Randy Orton super finisher, The Punt. Capital, all caps, all caps when you when you write The Punt. Um, hits The Punt. Ted tries to sneak up behind him and lock in the Million Dollar Dream. But Randy escapes. RKO, pin, dub, Randy Orton. Very surprising that Randy Orton would be the one to win this legacy triple threat. Never saw this one coming. Nine minutes and one second. I actually like the story of this match. I thought a lot of the, what they did with it was fun. And, uh, you know, it's like these two guys have every reason to want to combine to kick Randy Orton's ass, but they're just too stupid at the end of the day. They're both too stupid to pull it off. 
which is kind of fun for me. I, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic book booking in this match. Incredible story that they told. Um, you know, because again, everything in this match just makes sense. Everything that like they te- the story that they tell, it just makes a ton of sense. Uh, before I go into some of my spiel's, Ted, do you notice how bronze Ted and Cody looked in this match? Like they were Hulk Hogan like bronze. Here. Cody, Cody especially was tan as fuck. Very. Ins- I mean, deep tan. Insanely so. Um, David, I have a take, though. I do have this take. Um, if you commit a real-life crime that fits perfectly with your wrestling gimmick, you should be allowed to delay your conviction so long as you can actually wrestle. Yeah. The problem is that Ted DiBiase Jr. wasn't a good enough worker to pull it off. Although he's not <laughs> bad in this match. Uh, you know, like... That, that is true. Like, that is very much because, you know, both him and his dad, the million dollar degree, uh, the million dollar man said to be obviously were involved in this Mississippi scheme with like Brett Favre. Be careful uh, now. We don't want to get sued. That allegedly involved. Yes, they have been charged just just like a couple weeks ago, actually. Like, it's been in the news relatively recently. Um, but like, you know, that is kind of. DiBiase type behavior, right? That is something that I would imagine Ted DiBiase character to do. So, I don't know. It's like, would you arrest Mike Rotunda if he beat the shit out of a guy for not paying their taxes? No. I mean, like, the letter of the law would say that you should, but I kind of think he should get away with it. Because he's working, ladies and gentlemen. It's pro wrestling and it's always a work. If, uh, I can't. I could not do the Hulk Hogan tweet uh, verbatim, so I'm not going to bother to try. But you have to know the difference between a work and a shoot, and when you work yourself into a shoot, and yeah. you take the shoot and work it into a work. Yeah, the, you jabroni marks who don't know a work when a shoot, and then you work yourself into a shoot. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Very much that those vibes. It's it's again just. Again, allegedly, allegedly. That's the key word here is allegedly. But, you know, this was a fun match. Again, I can't say I can't say that enough. I still felt like there was juice to be squeezed, though, out of Legacy at the time they broke up. It felt like they kind of did it for like four months and then, you know, decided, ah, well, we need we need to get you guys on the card and we have no one really for you to feud with. So you're going to feud with each other. Uh, I, I, I have another thought about the Ted DiBiase thing. Like, allegedly. I wonder if it's a case of, like, life imitating art. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. if Ted DiBiase had never, like, had, like, stayed in Mid-South, right? As, like, just, a, you know, like, a guy who was, like, a really good worker, you know? And never came to WWF or went to WWF and got a different gimmick than the evil rich guy who's, like, fucking stealing money from everybody. Would he have ever had a mind to do it? Allegedly. Do you know, allegedly do what he did. Like, if he got a different gimmick, if they gave him the Mr. Perfect gimmick, for instance. Would he a perfect human being? Would he have ever, would he have ever done this? Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Done the crimes that he committed against the good people of Mississippi. Allegedly. I wonder. I I wonder if it's a case of life imitating art here. Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, David. Ted Jr. is facing like 20 years in federal No, he's facing 185 <laughs> years in prison. What? I thought it was 185 less- years. I looked it up this morning. Holy shit. I think either him or his, it says Ted DiBiase, so it could be him or his dad, but one of them's facing 185 years. What on earth? Oh, yeah, no. That's what it is. 
20 years for each wire fraud count, which he has six counts of wire fraud. Fantastic. And then other other stuff for other charges. Yeah, that's insane. So yeah, Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, if you liked him in the, in the legacy, well, too bad, because he's maybe going to federal prison for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really fucking cool. <laughs> Moving on from the legal issues, David, how high does the punt rank in terms of power level of finishing moves? Unfathomable. And I remember being a kid when he started doing the Legend Killer gimmick and he started punting people. And I was just like, oh, my God, he's actually killing these people. with Like, how could you work? punting a guy in the head i was like you know like i'm a fucking little kid but like i know that like wrestling's fake quote unquote but i'm also like he's actually punting these guys in the head though right like there's no way he's actually killing these guys he put john cena's dad in the hospital unfathomable power level from the punt i mean it's crazy Uh, honestly one of my favorite finishing moves just period. incredible gimmick incredible i mean just so good uh like Randy Orton has really had an incredible career when he's had, like, two of the all-time just nastiest fucking finishes ever. The RKO, which, you know, is, like, incredibly, like, one of the most famous finishing moves in the world. And then the fucking punt. Amazing. We Shout stand- out to Randy. I, you know, Randy was in the news today. People are saying he might never wrestle again. Like, apparently doctors have told him that he should retire. Shit. I was uh, hoping he was going to come back soon. I hope, I hope we can see Randy in the ring again. I really do. He's an all-time talent. Next up, we talked about it a little bit in the lead up, uh, Money in the Bank. Remember when this was at Mania? Remember when they used to do the Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania? That was really fun. Here's the one problem. Why are there 10? <laughs> 10? 10. Way too many. Way too many guys to be in this match. Um, and it is like a who's who of the mid card in 2010 WWF. We've got uh, Kofi Kingston. In his weird spot where they stopped pretending that he was from Jamaican, but he was still kind of Jamaican. Uh, he's still coming out to the Jamaican music, and he's still kind of doing his Jamaican, you know, everything he was doing before. Hey, the theme was a banger, man. The theme was it's a banger. Not hating on the theme. Not hating on the theme. It was just like this weird kind of in-between where they're like, okay, he's actually from Ghana. But we're going to kind of pretend he's, I guess he just really likes reggae. That's, you know, which I guess you can like reggae and be from anywhere. Uh, we've got MVP is in this match. We've got, you know, this guy's going to have a high spot or two. Evan Bourne. We've got the worst nickname in history, the All-American American. I like the nickname. Agger, the gold standard, Shelton Benjamin. Um, the guy who basically invented the really cool fucking uh, Money in the Bank spot. Um, we've got uh, ladder match legend Matt Hardy. We've got Dolph Ziggler. We've got young, chosen one, intercontinental champion, Drew McIntyre. Nice, young, clean-shaven boy from Scotland, Drew McIntyre. Um, we've got Kane, which, why are you putting Kane in a ladder match? What, he's going to climb the ladder? Fuck off. He's like 400 pounds. He's like seven foot five, 400 pounds. Don't. Come on. And then we've got another ladder match legend, Christian. Christian, surprisingly, the most over guy in this match. People went, people went in for Christian. They really wanted Christian. He's not called Captain Charisma for a reason, David. People love Christian. And so, obviously, 10 dudes, way too many guys for this type of match. So we just go straight to brawling. Uh, and, you know, this is how it is. 
in a ladder match like this with this many guys. It's just going to be a bunch of spots. So the recap of the match is, here's a list of the spots that were cool. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Kane chokeslam throwing Evan Bourne out of the ring to the floor. We've got uh, Dolph hit Christian with a zigzag off the ladder. That was cool. Um, Evan Bourne, of course, you knew he was going to hit the shooting star press off the ladder. He does. Um, then Matt does a huge hip toss off of the ladder where Evan Bourne goes from almost the top of the ladder and flip bumps and lands in the ring. No chance you could ever get me to do that shit. Insane. <laughs> no way. I hate taking hip tosses. It's like a, it's like a small move that I hate fucking taking them. Um, it stressed me out. I don't like it. Um, there's a spot. You see when fucking um, Jesus Christ when Kane threw the ladder out of the ring. Oh yeah! Like, Holy shit! He could have killed someone. I mean, isn't there a spot? I think sometimes in the 20 teens where that ladder does go out in the crowd. Actually, this might have been AEW. Uh, it's that G1 Supercard where the guy the, the guy sued. I don't think anyone sued, but there was like a spot where like someone got hit with like a ladder. Yeah, like, there's someone in the front row. I, like, kind of remember that because I was there. I, like, kind of remember that. Yeah, I think you're right. I can, like, refresh my memory on exactly what happened. But, yeah, insanely dangerous. Could have fucking taken someone's head off in the front row. Um, but, yeah, Kane just yeeting the ladder out of the, into the crowd. There is a spot where, um, this is kind of one of the memorable spots from this match, where they gimmick a ladder so it breaks top way, like, top way. So there's, like, one ladder side and one ladder side, and they're both separate. And Kofi, like, gets in between them and uses them kind of like stilts. And he tries to he kind of, like, stilt walks with the ladder legs and, like, into the center of the ring and then tries to climb up the middle of the ladder, which, like, there's, like, ten other ladders around. You could have just gotten another ladder and not done this whole weird stunt where it doesn't even really look like you could probably get high enough anyway. Um, but he tried, and it was, like, obviously, like, Kofi's a great athlete. He has incredible balance. This is like, you know, it's really impressive that he could do this. But I was also like, that's kind of stupid that you would do that. I love that spot. I thought it was objective of the spot of the match. But he does it. Um, and then it doesn't ultimately work out. Um, Christian hits Matt Hardy with a reverse DDT off the ladder where Christian does that reverse DDT. And he's been doing it for years, but all the announcers miss it. And they think that it's Matt hitting him with a twist of fate, which is that like they kind of come down the same way, but it's not. It was Christian hitting the move. He was hitting the reverse DDT. We end up with Christian and Swagger. Last two guys at the top of the ladder. Uh, Swagger shoves the case into Christian's head. Christian falls and Jack Swagger gets the case. Winner of the uh, the, the fucking um, Money in the Bank Battle Royal or Money in the Bank Ladder Match is... The All-American American, Jack Swagger. 13 minutes, 44 seconds. Yeah. Fun spots, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. It, it served its purpose. There were definitely like two to four people too many in this match, but, you know, whatever. This it, get, Stack the card. Why don't it? Uh, I, I am always a fan of like, you know, they like to do the singles matches in Mania. I love when they do the, these multi-man showcase matches, which is essentially what Money in the Bank was at first. Obviously, you have like a good storyline with it with like you get to cash in if you win the match. 
Uh, but, you know, I like the moments where you get to see a bunch of guys on the car. And you just have like like the tag team showcase matches this year at Mania. They had no right being that fun. There was nothing on the line, but they were a blast. Like, I will remember Dawkins decleating Braun Strowman for the rest of my life. I love that. Um, so I'm a big fan of these showcase matches. Uh, again, Kofi's balance is just utterly insane. I love this. Like, again, I love the Kofi spots. They're incredible. Um, I think we're we're in an era now where we're post Kofi. I think we're gonna have to wait for Sol Ruka to kind of take up that yeah. mantle. I think we finally reached a post Kofi world where it's like he's still obviously really good, but like he doesn't necessarily have that like crazy like 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 superpower anymore because he's you know older and he's been going for a while. You know, yeah. Like I feel like the last the last couple Kofi spots at the Rumble have gone awry enough. That it's like, yeah, we're in a post-Kofi world, but you know what? That's fine. It's Kofi, okay. Kofi has, Kofi has earned a rest from having to fucking do something insane every time he's in one of these matches. He, he has earned... It's like, you can you can hit the showers, man. You don't have to do this. You can just be a normal wrestler now. Just take a breather, man. It's okay. Yeah. We got this. Um, it's also really fun, too. So this is a pay-per-view 13 years ago. Just looking like looking at these guys come out here and then knowing what they look like today, because most of them are still like, you know, wrestling today. Yeah. Swagger looks com- like he looks the same, but he's more jacked now. Christian kind of looks more or less the same. Dolph looks more or less the same. Drew looks completely different. Evan is more or less the same, although now he's got like the weird psychedelic gimmick. He's okay. got like different hair. Like he slicked yeah. back his hair differently and he's got like he's got like facial hair now. You know? Kane's like, a mayor. Uh, Kane, Kobe. Is, Kane is Kane. Is, <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked not knowing what Kane's political. <laughs> uh, Kofi looks more or less the same. Matt, I mean, Matt's probably the only one that has an age normally out of ever, all these folks. Like he he's very visibly 13 years older, but he still works pretty well. MVP yeah. maybe looks a little bit older now, but still like honestly, he's, you've seen him back out there. Like he came back during COVID. He looks again. He still looks like MVP. And Shelton, of course, just like an ageless freak yeah. who just constantly Shelton, shows up and does Shelton, awesome shit. Shelton, exactly the same as he did in 2010 exactly the fucking same it's just fantastic to see either how differently or how the same they are 13 years ago that's great it's, it's really fun i was i was watching this whole match and yeah you know it's a fun it's a fun ladder match um you know you, you get what you get like i feel like you know a lot of money the big ladder matches have had like bigger crazier spots it's a little overstuffed, right? It's a little overstuffed. Like, what did MVP do this entire match? Like, not, not much. He had one big boot in a corner. Yeah, like, he did nothing this whole match. Like, you didn't need ten guys. It's kind of insane. You know, like, looking through this, like, MVP didn't really do much. Kane, obviously, he's not going to... What, what did Drew McIntyre do? Like, not really much at all. He was the base for the Kofi stunt finale, and he threw Kofi out. And well, that was it. Did he get any real shine? Did he get to do anything cool? Not really. No. Um, I mean, Swagger basically did nothing until he won. Uh, Shelton kind of Shelton had like one kind of cool spot that he ended up botching because he slipped on the run up in the corner. That um, was Co- wasn't that Kofi that did it? No, that was Shelton. That was Shelton. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm looking at my yeah. I'm looking at my notes right now, and yeah, it was. No, actually, I'm wrong. It was Kofi. It was wrong. I, I was wrong. It, it, it was definitely it was definitely an homage to the original Shelton Benjamin spot. So did that spot in the 05, like was it the first. It was the very like, first one. He did, the, he did the ladder run out and did the big flip dive on before, which was like the first like 
really fucking cool Money in the Bank ladder match spot ever. Um, yeah, they, they did that sort of same deal in the corner to Kane, and then he slipped, and then Kane like grabbed him and powerbombed him onto the ladder. It was also like a really weird Money in the Bank because there wasn't like that huge spot. The biggest spot really was Evan Bourne taking that hip toss off the top of the ladder. Um, Hardy did get flipped by I think Kane over the top of the ladder onto a ladder that was situated with the ropes. I'm going to say ladder again. Take a drink every time I say ladder. 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 Um, ladder. <laughs> uh, but like he take a, took a flip bump onto, onto one uh, that was set up with the ropes and the original ladder drink. Um, again, you can't say money in the bank matches without saying ladder. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Well, it's 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 well, I, I hate to break it to you, but it's it's a ladder match. No way. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't like a, there wasn't that moment really. They made a Money in the Bank match, Money in the Bank match. Uh, outside of Kofi's stilt walking, there was nothing really, oh shit, he just did that to his body outside of Evan Bourne taking that ridiculous yeah. hip toss you know, bump. Bourne, and, and you knew that Evan Bourne was there to do some cool shit. He did the cool, he did the shooting star press. You knew that he was going to do a shooting star press off a ladder, and he did. He delivered. And yeah, he took that hip toss bump off of the fucking ladder, which again, I think I would rather run headfirst into a fucking like, like wheat thresher than take that. Like, holy fuck. Um, but Take he did corner bumps into that shitty turnbuckle. Listen, he's, he's great. He's still, he, Seidel, he's still good as fuck to this day. I mean, he's like barely aged. Uh, when you, when you, on the occasion when you get to watch him work in like AEW and Ring of Honor, guy can still fucking kill it. Um, I think he needs to get more, uh, appreciation, but yeah, Jack Swagger. I was, I was watching Jack Swagger and I was like, man, he looks like, the, he looks the, better now. He looks better now. And you know what? He's got a cool hat now. And honestly, the hat completes the look so hard. I like I the hat. Realized that I never realized how much his look would be improved by giving him a purple bucket hat. It has tied everything together for him. Like, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager was a guy where it was like, you know, he's physically impressive, but he's always been missing something this whole career. And the, I, in my opinion, the, the best he's ever been, the most entertaining he's ever been, was literally now his gimmick is I wear a bucket hat. <laughs> that, that's his whole gimmick, and it fucking rocks. I, I love it. I literally, like, he is, I don't think he's won a TV match in a long time. No, but it doesn't matter. He never wins. It doesn't matter because, like, whenever he's out there, I'm just like, this guy is a freak of nature who could, like, literally bust you up, and he's got and, a cool hat. And he loves his hat. The man, just let. Let the man – a lot of people talk shit about swagger, right? And, you know, I, I – You're I one of them. I, I, I have talked shit about swagger before. And, you know, I I think there are people that don't like him because I think he's, like, politically conservative or whatever. I don't know if he's, like, posting stuff on, uh, on, on social media or whatever. But I'm also, like, I can't bring myself to hate him that much because it's like, you know what? The man loves his hat. It's just a man, simple man. Loving his hat. Let the man love his hat. He's got a cool hat. So next up, we've got... Why the fuck did they ever stop... Like, why did they ever take Howard Finkel off of WWE? Like, the the gravitas of the Fink. The Fink is out in the ring. Still sounds amazing. Um, he is out to introduce the class of 2010 at the WWE Hall of Fame. Which is Stu Hart, represented by the entirety of the Hart family. We'll see all of them later. Uh, WWF women's wrestling pioneer, Wendy Richter, uh, mad dog of a Sean. We've got 
a guy who has sold more tickets than all of these people combined, Antonio Inoki. Um, Strong jawline. The most powerful jawline in the history of pro wrestling. Of course, the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of the like most important people of the last 50 plus years of wrestling. Uh, inducting, he's, he is being followed by celebrity wing inductee Bob Uecker. Uh We've got uh, Gorgeous George, one of the first big uh, box office stars in U.S. wrestling in the 21st century. One of the guys who helped really, cre- or the 20th century, one of the guys who really helped create, you know, sports entertainment as we know it, represented by his, uh, his uh, former wife. He had died in like the 50s, like years before, but his his uh, wife was uh, representing him. Uh, she was 97 years old. Wow. Around, was, was able to get there in 2010 to WrestleMania. And, of course, another guy who's going to be joining his son in the clink, going going downtown to federal prison. Allegedly. The million-dollar man, million man, Ted DiBiase Sr. So that's the class of 2010. You know, they all get a nice, they all get a nice, uh, nice round of applause from the crowd. Next up, two big boys, Triple H and Sheamus facing off. I had forgotten that we ever got a Triple H-Sheamus match at WrestleMania. Of course, Sheamus was the WWE champion heading into the Elimination Chamber. Triple H pinned him and eliminated him from the Elimination Chamber. So Sheamus, ensuring that Sheamus would no longer be WWE champion, uh, Sheamus was pissed off. Picked the fight with Triple H, and now we have this match here at Mania. Um, I do really miss the original Sheamus theme. The one that we've had the last, you know, however many years is good. I've always had a soft spot for the original one. I don't yeah. hate the original one. I want to make that clear. I do think his one now is just, I don't know, it fits him better, I would say. I think the old one is a little, I don't know. It just, I, I, I feel stronger about the second one than the first one. Not that I the like first the, one's bad. I think the first one's kind of flop, honestly. I, I fuck with it. Um, crowd obviously goes nuts for Triple H. Quite possibly the last Triple H Mania entrance that wasn't like a $5 billion production where he comes out on some kind of vehicle with like 50 extras and like it takes 10 years. He just does his normal the game entrance. Yeah, I know? thought that was the weirdest part is just like, oh, this is not a this is not the yeah. Triple H entrance I was expecting. I was like, which which insanely ornate, you know, like 35 minute Triple H entrance is this one? I can't remember. And then, no, it was just a normal Triple H entrance. Um, so yeah, we have Triple H and Sheamus. Triple H working the legs early on. He actually puts Sheamus in a figure four leg lock early on. Uh, but Sheamus gets to the floor. Triple H follows him out. Sheamus grabs him, catches him, throws him into the stairs, throws him into the barricade, beats him up for a while. Hits two consecutive Irish curse backbreakers. Hits a running power slam for a big near fall. Triple H then comes back, hits a bunch of stuff. Hits a back suplex, hits a DDT. Hits his running high knee, his like knee face buster thing. I actually don't know the name for it. It's just a face buster, but you know the one. If you know Triple H's move set. It's the whole thing that he does. Um, hits a neck breaker. Sheamus goes for a brogue kick. Triple H ducks. He goes for a pedigree. He uh, he goes for the pedigree. Sheamus back body drops him out of it. Then hits the brogue kick. Goes for the pin. Triple H kicks out of the brogue kick. According to Michael Cole, 
in this moment, Triple H becomes the first guy to ever kick out of the Brogue kick. I believe Which, that. Is true or not, I don't know. But according to Michael Cole, this was the first time the Brogue kick had ever been kicked out of. Triple H comes back, hits his spine buster. They end up on the apron. Sheamus hits another Brogue kick on the apron. Triple H falls into the ring. Sheamus takes forever to follow this up. And then finally, when he gets back in the ring and takes hold of Triple H, Triple H kicks some pedigree out of nowhere, and Triple H gets the pin and wins the match, 12 minutes and 8 seconds. And you better believe, was Triple H flexing hard or what? My man, Triple H, Hunter must pose, baby. He Hunter must pose, brother. Fucking bodybuilding routine in that ring. My man was flexing forever, and you know he's looking jacked. You know, good, good, good day of good day of work for trips. Yeah, I like. I get the finish, and I get the fact that hey, this isn't uh, a match. It, it has some stakes, but it's not like it's more of a story than any match with stakes. Um, weird to have the older guy, especially trips at what he guys. When was he world? Well, he was world champion in 2017 still, so I guess he had seven years left. Yeah, but. I mean, he was world champion, yeah, seven years later. Yeah, because he was he was world champion heading into when he did the first match with Roman, right? Yeah. Because he won the, no, that was 2016. 2016, okay. he won the title at the Rumble. I, I, I still want to say, like, oh, yeah, he's only got six years left. Like, it's not like he's on the way out the door here in 2010. But, you know, Sheamus did have an incredible year. It felt like, you know, Give him a give him the winning mania. Establish a young guy. What strip's gonna uh, have in a loss? I don't have all the you know things I have said about like booking for the younger guy. This is probably one of the less egregious ones because you know everyone loves trips in this moment. Uh, trips is awesome, and you know what? He didn't get to do his full entrance, so you have to kind of at least give him the win because he didn't get to spend 15 minutes walking out on a motorcycle. Uh, yeah. But, you know, this was a good slugfest between two guys. And two guys that I, like, I always think of Sheamus today as, like, the modern version of Trips. Just, like, they have a similar look. I think a similar style. I think whereas, like, Trips is more of the cerebral assassin. Sheamus is just a guy who wants to fight. Um, But, like, I think the way they work in the ring is very similar. They have, like, a a not dissimilar move pool. Can you you circle back for me here? Who did you say is a modern version of Triple H? Sheamus. Sheamus? They, I again, I, I don't think they work nearly similar, honestly. I but like place in the car, I don't know. I just I always no, compare the two. No, 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 no man, no, I, no, I, triple. Nah, I, 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 I have to push back on this one pretty hard. I really disagree with you here. And what? Just in like what way are you disagreeing? Yeah, like with with like, you know, why is it about the comparison that you do not like? I think that if anyone was going to be the new Triple H, it would have been Batista had he stayed long enough. But aren't they, like, pretty close in age, though? Like, having a new guy that's roughly the same age as you, uh, th- those two? But he came along years after Triple H, though. Remember, he was the young guy in the in Evolution. Right, okay. Triple H was, like, the, the, the prime guy. In I guess Trips is always, like, looks... Because of, like, he had the hair for so long, he always looked younger than what he really was. Yeah. Not, not a guy that went gray or bald very fast. Trips, Trips was relatively young when he really kind of first broke in with WWF. Uh, he was probably, you know, when he was first wrestling in WWF 95, 96, he was in his early 20s, I think. You know, he was a young guy, and, like, Batista did get a late start, right? We, I mean, we've seen trips. He, he was a skinny dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, he was relatively lean, and then, you know, he, 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 he goosed himself up, you know? Uh, but... I don't know. I, I, I don't think that 
Sheamus A occupies anywhere near the stature that Triple H does or has at any point really in the last 25 years. And um, he doesn't really work like Triple H. I mean, he's a bigger guy and he does some kind of like power-ish stuff, but he's more of a striker, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why he's worked so well with Gunter because they can just beat the fuck out of each other. God, I love today's version of Sheamus. Yeah, I, I, I would I would have to push back. I mean, like, think about it this way. Um, when Triple H got to lead a faction, Triple H led two factions, right? Or was co-leader of two factions. Yeah. One was DX, one was Evolution. Sheamus has gotten to lead or co-lead two factions. <laughs> one of them was the Brawling Brutes, which we won't remember in five years. And one is the League of Nations, which we've all already forgotten about. Who? Oh, I think there's a big difference there. That's fair. I I think it's fair. I just, personally, I always see the two of them, I I think there's, they just, I don't know. They they cut the same profile in my mind, uh, and maybe it's because they're both big white guys. But, you know, again, I just enjoyed this match. It was a slugfest. It had a good story leading into it. I thought they, you know, it, it would... You know, the action was fairly up straight up. Uh, and also, like, I love Trips's move pool. I, I love the high knee. I love the face buster. I love when he drops the knee on people's heads. Uh, I like the pedigree. Uh, but the finish, too, like, I kind of appreciate the fact that oh, it's like, oh, Trips is kind of playing possum, surprises the young guy who is full of hubris and uh, finishes the match. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a perfectly good match. It's perfectly well laid out. I think Triple H, especially later on in his career, got really good at like laying out and executing a a match with a story that made sense. And I I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it. Um, You know, I I think that it hit everything it needed to hit. Um, I I just think it's funny. I I was just looking at this because I I always remember this. We were talking about like the later stages of Triple H's career, right? How much time does trips have left? It's, I think it's such a funny footnote to me that like Triple H's final match, which is almost undoubtedly going to go, down as the last match of his career was at a Tokyo house show at Ryogoku Sumo Hall. Triple H and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Samoa Joe and Robert Roode. What a match. Yeah. Robert Roode was in Triple H's last ever match, which is kind of crazy. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Robert Roode. I love Robert Roode. I think he's great. I miss I miss watching him. Uh, but I think that's funny as shit that like Robert Roode was in the last match triple h's career and it was just at a house show i believe mr rude had his c5 and c6 just fused recently yeah uh, i saw something about that really uh best of best of luck to robert rude i know he's, he's an older guy he's like 45 it's like sneaky old very sneaky uh, old you look because he looks great when you see him he looks great uh but he's sneaky old and i know that that's that's got to be tough to come back from at that age so uh best of luck to robert rude and all of his recovery, and of course, also to Randy Orton, who we were just talking about. Best of luck to both those guys in their recovery, and hope to see them back. So next up, uh, we have got a match with some stakes: Rey Mysterio versus CM Punk. Remember this feud? CM Punk is the uh, the leader, of course, of the Straight Edge Society. And he's straight edge and he's better than you. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone hates CM Punk. Rey Mysterio, if he loses this match, he is going to be forced to join the straight edge society. 
I love that the intro, like, there was, like, the, like, this feud was, like, CM Punk talking shit to Ray's family, so we get a, a view of young Dom here in the, in the intro pack. Already tall as fuck. Like a 10-year-old Dom, 11, 12-year-old Dom, already almost as tall as his dad. Um, it's just funny looking at He was taller. Jumper. He was taller. Was he taller? Very much taller. Yeah. Uh, big boy, big, <laughs> big young lad named Dom. Uh, and of course, Aaliyah as well. She was, uh, she was, a uh, you know, a, a pretty young at this point. Um, she's, she has since appeared in WWE programming, but yeah, I loved seeing young baby, baby Dom here. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Punk comes out with his goons, Serena Deeb, who, whatever happened to her, man? She, like last I saw, you know, she was in AEW just like, like really com- completely like reminding people that she's an excellent technical wrestler. And then she's just kind of disappeared for a long time. I wonder who, what's up with her. Where's who, Serena? Let me get research on that. Yeah. Um, Serena Deeb and, uh, Luke Gallows. Serena Deeb, one of our, one of our proudest, uh, Northern Virginia pro wrestlers that we have. I think she went to the same high school as my older sister, actually. Um, he gets, uh, Punk cuts a promo on his way down to the mic, or uh, cuts a promo on his way down to the ring on the mic. He says that there are over 70,000 weak-minded individuals hopped up on hallucinogenic drugs who think that Rey Mysterio is a superhero. I am going to save him and lead you all to a better place because I am straight edge better than you, blah, blah, blah. Ray, who, of course, has never not been over in his career, comes out with gear that makes him look like a Na'vi from the movie Avatar, which was still a pretty current reference at that point. Uh, I am team Avatar is good, and I loved the sequel. Recommend anyone see it, even though, yes, it's very long, but I thought uh, magnificent technical achievement. People who talk shit about Avatar, they have no joy in their fucking lives. I've never seen it, so I cannot comment. However, I will say this. It's probably not the best Ray homage we've ever had at Mania. Are you saying probably what, the Joker one? No, I just thought I just thought this one wasn't good. Not because it was like Avatar yeah. related. I just I, I just didn't think it. I was like, what the hell is he doing? And then Michael Cole said, I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think it's the, I don't think the gear hits super great, but you know, it's whatever. He's got the like, kind of like, the like the Navi dreads coming out of the mask and shit. You know, it's it is what it is. Um, so we have this match. Um, it's very fast paced and fun. Short, but I actually really enjoyed this match. Um, so Punk cuts him off right away off a distraction from Gallows. Um, he tries to do a uh, like a sliding drop kick in the corner, but Ray gets out of the way, crotches himself. Then they do this cool spot where Ray tries to do like a Cazadora wheelbarrow off the apron to the floor, but Punk catches him and just whacks him face first into the steps. Um, beats him up for a little bit. Uh, Ray tries to do a springboard, but Punk catches him in like a swing out power slam. Uh, wipes way, Ray out with a big head kick, but uh, Ray's able to kick out. Ray does the springboard moonsault into the DDT. Punk catches him. Uh, Goes for the GTS. Um, we have a, it's a lot of cool finisher reversals in this match. Um, Ray goes for the uh, springboard moonsault. Punk catches him into the fireman's carry. He escapes. Uh, kicks Punk's in the face. Hits the frog splash with the whole Eddie Guerrero homage. Uh, but CM Punk's able to kick out. Um, Ray gets him in position again for the 619, but Serena and Gallows both gets in the way. They both get in the way. Punk, um, Ray is, uh, 
like, like, like Punk tries to get him up for the GTS. Ray gets out, shoves Punk into Gallows on the apron. Punk gets lands right in position for the 619. Ray hits the 619 and then hits his big like stalling springboard splash and gets the pin, wins the match six minutes and 28 seconds. Fun match that, again, a lot of neat finisher reversals. You know, another one that I, 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 I bet their time was cut a little bit because they go straight to the cutoff and then kind of almost directly into like, oh, now we're teasing our finishes, doing back and forth. But they flow really well. I mean, you can tell that these guys have real good chemistry. They had other very good matches that you could find from around this time. Just a, a fun match. Liked it a lot. It's a few that I always forget happened. Like, I don't think of like, when I think of Ray and CM Punk, I almost think of them as like two completely separate entities. I always forget that they like interact at some point. Um, and it's always a surprise for me whenever they come up together. Uh, uh, back to my uh, back to the Serena Deeb research. It looks like her last match on AEW was like in October. Um, yeah, the last yeah. thing in the injured or what's going on? The last thing in the news was uh, NWA Women's Champion Camille praised her and was like talking about her, her title offense. Enough said. That was back in February, so maybe Deeb to NWA at some point. Just speculating. Um, there is also NWA before, I think there's also a, a, a post uh, article on her. That's a quote from her saying, I've been coaching a little less because I've been wrestling more. I wonder if she went back that to like being a coach. October. Yeah. Also yeah. in October. So I wonder if she went back to coaching for a little bit, um, you know, just a, not maybe not as a break, but you know, whenever she comes back, I'm sure she's going to get a rack route route, a loud pop. Uh, <laughs> Where were you going for there? Something that starts with an R? Raucous? Raucous? Yeah, raucous. I, I, yeah, rock, a raucous pop. I don't know if she's going to get a raucous pop, but I always like watching her work. She's very good in the ring. Yeah, she's she was always technically sound. What was the match she had with... Uh, wasn't Britt at the time, was it? Who was... Uh, Rosa? Did she work with Rosa during uh, her reign? Yeah. I loved watching her and Sheeta together. Ooh, that was also a really good, uh, really saw, good series. I saw, those, I saw one of those in person when uh, one of the AEWs in Philly. That I went to. So I saw a sheet of deep one in person. And did they do a best of five? Uh, they did a couple. It wasn't a, they didn't do an official best of, but it, they did a couple of them and they were very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was again, fun match. This is punk's best theme by far. Love this theme. That's uh, that, that is something that I completely agree with. That is my, my, uh, my, and I've actually tweeted this before. Um, so it's on the record publicly. My personal ranking of CM Punk uh, entrance themes is This Fire Burns, number one, best overall. Number two is Miseria Cantare, which was his Ring of Honor uh, theme that he actually came out to, if you remember, in the uh, dog collar match with MJF. Popped enormous for that. I was losing my shit. Um, and then third and last is Cult of Personality. It's the worst one. And that's not the disc cult of personality too, but like it's just It's a good theme song. He's had he's, but he's got he's had better. It, it's it's kinda of, it, honestly cult of personality is a little bit too on the nose. It is a little on the nose, I suppose, but I mean it's it's good. You know, it's good. Mm. But. Uh but yeah, this was again fun match, uh, punk being a great base uh for Ray, and like you know, they both have like easy finishes to tease. Um, again, fantastic chemistry between the two. The Ray from the floor onto the top rope, moonsault DDT spot, Ray, just ludicrous, utterly ludicrous. Uh, and I think, yeah. I think AJ Styles has done something similar, but it's not 
quite the same. And I think that what Ray did was probably cooler than what, because mm-hmm. I think he does it into like a reverse DDT. It's like a little different than what Ray did. It, Ray's is really cool. Yeah. Um, it's also like, again, we, when you think of like small guys in sports, uh, typically the, the age curve hits them very hard. Like you think of smaller point guards, uh, you think about smaller players in the NFL that usually like once they hit a certain age, it's just, it, it's kind of like a cliff. They fall off. It's amazing that Ray has been so like he's had matches today where I'm just like his mania match with Dom. Like the guy still has the juice. Still it's incredible. It. Still has all the juice. I I love the fact and you know it's even more juxtaposition with Punk too. I mean, granted, Punk took years off, but we, uh, during his run with AEW, like I can I will always remember those failed buckshot lariats. They will stick it. They will burn into my mind. And that's not on Punk. It's it's not a move that he should be trying to do at that point in his career. Yeah doesn't really work. I, I can tell you from personal experience, that shit's not that easy. To do. No. Um, it's easy to do that flip over the ropes if you have someone basing for you underneath that you can roll off of. I can't do the one where it's just like freestanding. You know, I can't, I, I personally can't do it. Um, so I've never tried. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> uh, it's not fun being reminded that you're not athletic. Uh, but you know what? We're all doing our best here. And yeah, I, I do remember the, the failed buckshot layer but yeah like when punk was in the ring he was still good he could still go you know yeah the stuff like the stuff the stuff that punk should have been doing he was fantastic at yes yes agreed um but yeah ray still the fucking man still the absolute man still crushing it still crushing it so next up this is where we're gonna gonna leave it for today we have got a match where it's like yeah we've, we've had a good run of matches we've had a pretty solid run of fun stuff here you know, I, looking at it, I mean, we had the first match got cut off. The, the legacy triple threat was triple threat was fine. Um, you know, good ladder match, good fun. Triple H and Sheamus, I thought was good. Ray and Punk for how long they got, I thought was good. Probably, probably could be great so far. BB plus vibes are fine. Vibes are fine. Then it's like here's some shit where it's like, why are they doing it, right? Uh, Bret Hart. You know, normally you would think like this is like a big fucking deal. Right, Bret Hart, the Hitman, one of the greatest wrestlers to ever walk the earth, one of the all-time legends of the fucking game. In his first match of any kind in ten years, first WrestleMania match in thirteen years, last WrestleMania match was the submission match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, maybe the greatest Mania match of all time, maybe the greatest match in WWF, WWE history. This is legend. Um, and what's his first match back? He, he's, you know, like, what was, that? that's that's what Bret Hart was 10, 13 years ago, one of the all-time greats. But that is many years of retirement, many injuries, many serious health problems ago. There's a reason he hasn't wrestled in 10 years. And in his first match back, he's not wrestling a real wrestler. He's wrestling Vince McMahon in a no-holds-barred match as Vince McMahon continues to his campaign to remind you about Montreal every five minutes that he has been on for 25 years. To remind you of Montreal as often as possible. Um, Vince comes out. So Brett comes out first, then Vince comes out. Vince, of course, arms looking massive, looking way too big. Honestly, uh, it comes out with a microphone, 
And he tells Brett, you're getting a mania-sized screwing. He has paid off the Hart family to be lumberjacks in this match. Brett, he says, Brett screwed Brett. Vince screwed Brett. And now Vince and his entire, your entire family, the entire Hart family has screwed Brett. All the Hearts come out uh, that were there representing Stu at the Hall of Fame uh, thing. You know, uh, several brothers, cousins. I saw Davy Boy Smith's uh, wife, Diana, um, who was another, I think, a sister. Um, and you have the current Hart Dynasty. I think it was the Hart Dynasty was the name of the group. Davy Boy Smith Jr., um, Tyson Kidd, and Natalia, the daughter of Jim the Anvil Nightheart. So they all come down and walk down with Vince to Vince's music. Bruce Hart, uh, one of Brett's brothers, gets in the ring and gives Vince a hug before taking off his suit jacket and reveal that he is wearing a ref shirt. So Bruce Hart is going to be the special guest referee. And then Brett gets on the mic and he says, hey, I know all you guys got paid up front. If there's one thing I've learned in pro wrestling, it's that there's nothing sweeter than a good double cross. The Hart family's stronger than ever. These guys tipped me off and told me what you were trying to do. We all agreed that we're not going to deal with it. Tonight is the night that Brett screwed Vince. So no, the Hart family, they took Vince's money and they're going to beat his ass. So Brett, then Bruce comes over, he hugs Brett and then they ring the bell. The entire match is Vince getting beaten up. That is it. 11 minutes and 7 seconds of Vince getting beaten up. He gets no offense. He gets beaten up by every member of the Hart family in turn. It's slow. There is no heat at all. At all. It is a Bret Hart, an old man, beating up an older man with his family, beating up an older man in front of a silent University of Phoenix Stadium. It is bizarre to watch. Yeah, um, no pop at all until the finish. Yeah, there's no heat at all. There's like, uh, normally you might think like, oh, people are going to take joy in watching Vince get his ass kicked. That maybe wears off. I mean, that, you know, maybe at first, but then that wears off. And you're just watching Brett, who, of course, you know, Brett has had, you know, he had a, a serious concussions. He had a stroke at one point. You know, he's, he's moving around fine, but like, he can't do much. He only move he does is he throws punches. And he does throw some punches in this match. That's it. And he does the sharpshooter later. That's it. Um, yeah, they beat him up. Uh, Vince gets beaten up by the other hearts on the floor. Uh, Davy Boy Jr. and Tyson hit him with a heart attack on the floor. Um, love that move. I actually did a heart attack today, about three hours before I recorded this podcast. Hey! Uh, I was the one doing the lariat part, which is always, which is called the fun part. Um, Vince, Vince at one point, the closest that Vince gets to uh, getting offense in this match is he's getting his ass beat by this swarm of people. And he actually claw, crawls underneath the ring for a moment, emerges holding a tire iron. And he starts swinging the tire iron around. Everyone backs up like, oh shit, he's got a tire iron. Gets in the ring, swings it at Brett. Brett ducks. Beats him up some more, gets the tire iron. He hits him with a fucking tire iron a bunch of times. Uh, he kicks Vince at the balls. There's one spot where Brett, Brett just like takes a breather, gets a chair, sits in the chair for a little bit in the ring, 
And he sits there and he just watches Vince writhe in pain for like an uncomfortably long amount of time. And then hits him with a chair about 30 times in a row. I mean, I cannot overstate how many fucking chair shots in a row these are. It's, it's wild. Then he locks on the sharpshooter and Vince taps 11 minutes and 7 seconds, ending what you can only very generously call a pro wrestling match. And that's it. All the hearts get in the ring and celebrate together. I'll give Brett this. Those chair swings ain't looking too weak after 10 minutes of whooping that ass. I've seen plenty of old ass dudes get in there with a chair. And after one chair shot, it's all limp noodle arm action. And, you know, Brett was popping them. Brett put a number on that chair. Uh, yeah, this match sucked. Yeah. It, was, it was not fun. Uh, the... Was Brett taking a little bit of joy maybe in hitting Vince with the chair? I don't know. But still. I'd like to think so. At the very least, I hope Brett felt vindicated because overall it felt very heavy handed with the the storyline. Obviously, like you have the Brett screwed, uh, Brett screwed Brett, Vince screwed Brett thing. Obviously, that's a story that they're going to tell. But man, you don't have to lay it on that thick. It's just it was very unnecessary. It kind of like takes the fun out of it too like ah we it, it was very unnecessary it felt all too it was too much too literal too too wrestling too scripted to yeah. like really feel I, what, yeah. any kind of way about it yeah because that is certainly like just alone Bret Hart's return is you know you'd say it's a big deal he's an inner circle hall of famer you know, he is one of the great wrestlers of all time, a guy who's been an influence and an inspiration for so many people in pro wrestling. But, and so, like, his return after all these years, I mean, Bret Hart wrestling again at WrestleMania is like, I mean, there, there was a point in time where that seemed, like, impossible to believe that that would ever happen. Uh, but it's happening. Like, you would think... That alone is a huge deal. But, you know, it's... Bret Hart was not like The Rock. You know what I mean? He was not stone cold. He's not a guy who's going to come out there and have like a big catchphrase and, you know, cut a promo and do a fun gimmick. Bret Hart was Bret Hart because he was one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And you can't do that anymore with him physically the way he was he can't be what he was can't even be anything really uh, approaching what he was i always thought brett was like brett became i thought a good promo but not like an incredible electrifying promo you know what i mean like he's not gonna like you're not gonna put ass in the seats to hear a brett hart promo he was a straight man he was a fantastic straight man like like you would for the rock or you would for Austin or you would for Hogan or somebody like that or Flair. You know, he's not going to make you go, oh shit, I need to look at the TV right now because Bret Hart is talking. No. You look at the TV when Bret Hart is wrestling. So, like, it's this big return, but it, like, it uh, it just feels like what, what what is the point of this? You know what I mean? Like, I, we've talked about it quite a bit. You know, it's just Vince rubbing Montreal in your face some more. And yeah, he gets his ass kicked. But, like... Who still won that exchange? Yeah. At the end of the day, Vince still won. Vince still won. So it doesn't fucking matter. At the end of the day, 
Vince is still a billionaire, and Bret Hart cannot do the one thing that he did better than anybody, and that is wrestle. So it's even though it's like, yeah, like, you know, oh, you know, he, you know, Bret beat him up. Is it some kind of vindication? It's 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 not really. It doesn't really feel like it. It feels like well, Vince still won, and uh, he's just kind of tossing this little this little nugget to you. That's all that matters. Yeah. Sucks. It's depressing. It's fucking depressing. True, it truly is. And like you think about how a lot of guys that idolize Brett, like when they were coming up, and how they've aged. Like Jer, Jer- I think Jericho's probably a close comp in that regards. Like Jericho's not been like I'd say the picture picturesque guy, like fantastic worker, but not like always the guy that you think of like you know eat your vitamin kind of guy. Uh, but like he's aged tremendously. And you think of the last few years of people's careers, usually those last few years, like six to 10 years. And Brett was like in his like early forties uh, yeah. when he left when, WWF. When Brett left WWF, there was no reason, even though he was older, sure. You know, he was what? Yeah. Probably 40 or so. Maybe there was no reason not to believe having watched him over the previous few years, no reason not to believe that he didn't have there, that they, that he there, there was no reason to expect that he wouldn't have at least a few more great years left. There's a, there's like a couple chapters of the book missing, like it's yeah. between WCW being one of the worst run companies in those late '90s of all time, and yeah, and getting injured. It's it just like. How many times do we have Bret Hart show up in the late 90s WCW and you're like, why the hell is Bret Hart here for no reason yeah. and not wrestling a match? They never knew what to do with him. You know, that's what it was. They they got him because they could, because WWF couldn't afford his contract anymore. And they got him because they could and they wanted to rub it in WWF's face like, hey, we got Bret. He's ours now. And then they never actually figured out what to do with Bret, which Bret Hart is like the easiest motherfucker to like, book ever just let him wrestle you know uh, it shouldn't be that difficult but it always was for wcw right um Can make yeah. it easy it's just watching this makes me sad as someone i i really revere bret hart he is one of my all-time greatest favorite wrestlers of all time i think he is on the like the prohibitive list of all-time greatest wrestlers ever the the master of technical wrestling one of the greatest masters of wrestling psychology who has ever walked the earth there, there may not ever be anybody on his level ever again uh and this shit makes me fucking sad to see you know because it's such a like it, it you can't even call it a hollow victory like it's it's not even a victory you know at the end of the day again as we said vince vince is like tossing you this bone because he knows you know at the end of the day vince is a vince is a, a worker he knows what the fans want to see he knows that the fans want to see Brett beat him up, and you know Vince. Vince was never never had a my my, my biggest compliment that I've ever I, that I will always pay to Vince is that when he knew when it was time to get his comeuppance and get his ass kicked on TV, and he always took that ass kick and made himself look like a fucking punk. You know? I, I thought after the, during this match, I immediately thought of the Triple H CM Punk promo. Where Triple H will said, if this was Vince McMahon in my position, he will uh, he will book the match and let you beat his ass for fifteen minutes, yes, and not raise the fist because yes, that was Vince. Yeah. So Vince knows 
that that's what the fans want to see. And he's going to provide that because at the end of the day, he's a worker. He knows, he understands that. But at the end of the day, he's a billionaire and Brett is just a memory at this point. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, Vince fucking won. No matter, no matter who screwed who, Vince won. And Brett lost. Yep. And it's fucking sad. So, that'll take us to our two and a half marks. Angelo, start us off. Uh, I'm going a negative half mark to misallocating match time. Like, I would have rathered the five extra minutes that this Brett Hart beating went to go to Showmiz versus Truth Morrison. That was a very fun match. Great pace. Uh, a lot of spots. Was very enjoyable. Would have loved to have a little bit more time there. I did not need to see the extra five minutes of Bret Hart absolutely brutalizing old man. While, like, yeah. I'm sure there was some therapy there. It's could have gotten all of that out in two minutes. Yeah. It was so long. It was so long. It was it was excruciating. Did not need to go that. It didn't. Fucking beat his ass for, like, a couple minutes. Maybe they all get in a little bit. And then he puts him in the sharpshooter. That could have been three minutes. It did not need to be one of the five matches to have a 10-plus minute run time. Fuck, man. That shit sucked. It was bad. Uh, my one mark is going to simple non-story story, uh, non-title storylines. I can't speak today. Uh, you have Rey Mysterio and CM Punk. So if Rey lost, he would have joined Strange Society. You had CM the CM Punk video package of him creepily wishing Aaliyah a happy birthday, which makes your skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, Triple H, Sheamus, Sheamus got uh, Triple H pinned Sheamus uh, to prevent him from being uh, World Heavyweight Champion. You know, easy way to spin that match out. Uh, Orton Rhodes and DiBiase, you know, the fallout of legacy, very simple story there. It's just, I enjoy that stuff. It, it's so WWE right now to just book around a title and AEW falls on the strap too. It's very, it's very difficult. It seems like to kind of book around the titles when you have a lot of them or when like you only have so much time. It's always like, you have to have the title. You have to have the titles. There's not a lot of secondary storylines or feuds that happen without a title, which is frustrating. And you have three right here that are very serviceable. That's not like there's anything complicated with those storylines. They're very simple stories. They tell the story and, the, you know, they get a match out of it. Uh, so a big fan of that. And then my two marks, I mentioned this before, showcase matches for WrestleMania. Uh, Money in the Bank, probably the greatest showcase match because it's always the upper mid-card guys who possibly have next. Maybe you throw in a main eventer that's already there that, you know, you want to kind of give an easy title shot to. It's always a lot of fun seeing those guys interact. You can tell a million stories with the fallout of Money in the Bank if you tell it properly. Here we have too many people, but I still enjoy the fact like you have all these guys, you get them out there, you have an entrance, they have a few spots. Uh, And and it's a great way to kind of like, hey, if the crowd really reacts to them, you can kind of spin that out and elevate somebody, even if they're not the winner of that match. Uh, yeah. So two marks to showcase matches during WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned the uh, the, the the six man tags or whatever. Were they six man tags or are they like multi man tags? They had this past Mania. They were both fire as fuck. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that you reminded me of the Dawkins fucking lighting Braun Strowman up spot. I lost my mind when that happened. That was so fucking cool. I shouted. I, I I audibly shouted as well. I audibly made noise when that happened. I never do that. I was like, because I, I didn't watch it live. I was in fucking Spain. I didn't watch that shit live. I was I was like sitting in fucking bed, like on my own, like just screaming to myself at that. Fucking dope. So yeah, I'm going to give 
my uh, half mark to getting the Fink in I, I, any Howard Finkel appearance. Um, it is just such a fucking tragedy that they, they shuffled him out when he was the WWF. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can't. He, he's, he's like the greatest ring announcer who ever lived. Um, and I would always look forward to Mania because you knew they were going to have the Hall of Fame thing and they would bring the Fink out for it. And he would come out and his voice would still, you know, you know, he's a little bit older, a little bit gravelier, but had every bit of the fucking, his voice just has every bit of the, the depth and gravitas that you remembered. Uh, just love listening to the Fink. He is the greatest of all time. Uh, there will never be another Fink. Um, and so I'm going to give a half mark to the Fink uh, every time the Fink would show up. You know, like, like you know, I, I will never forgive Michael Cole or whoever was, you know, uh, like having Michael Cole or was speaking into Cole's ear. Um, Survivor Series 2011 when Punk challenged, uh, it was Punk versus Del Rio for the WWE title in MSG and Punk brought Fink out to do his intro in Yes, Madison. I do remember that. Coolest fucking thing ever. And Michael Cole just shit all over it, like while it was happening. I will I if I see Michael Cole in person, I will kick his ass for that. I know it probably wasn't his fault. Probably Vince told him to do it, but I will still I will still beat up the messenger for this. Uh I'm going to give my one mark to uh the ageless Rey Mysterio. Just Every time, and, and this was 13 years ago. By by this point, Ray had been blowing our minds for 15 years. By this point, um, and this was that was 13 years ago, and he's still going fucking strong, um, still killing it. I mean, looks every bit as good now as he did in this match. Agreed. And he really good in this match. Every bit is good now. Uh, fan. I mean, I, it it really boggles the mind because Ray has been wrestling since he was 14 years old. He's 48 now. He has been a pro wrestler for like, what, like over two-thirds of his time on the planet Earth. And doing all of that while wrestling a high-flying style. And, you know, not always, especially when he was younger, not always the safest. Um, but he is still every fucking bit as good as he was you know and he's honestly better than he was you know in the when when he had his real main event run because he juiced himself up yeah that's a that's better he's better now than he was when he won the title in 06 or whatever it was it's that's the most impressive thing too because it's not just the fact that he's been wrestling so long he's had to wrestle so long and change his body type so drastically i think in this pat like think of his uh the past 20 years he had to juice himself up he had to go back down he had to you know, I yeah. think he, I think he kind of got. There's a moment in time with due to injury that he wasn't in as great a shape as he was. Yeah. And, and today it looks like he could go what three to five more years. Yeah, I mean, like Ray could wrestle another ten plus years, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't shake my head at it at all. Um, especially now that he's got Dom there, you know, it, it's just fuck, man. They they don't make them like him. He's a he is a one of one type individual. Uh, and then I'm going to give my full two marks to honestly there's nothing like a game entrance you know i like to shit on triple h sometimes i think he's a he's pretty clearly a mark for himself at least somewhat but 
the game entrance with the you know with the with the song and you know the fucking the the flashing colored lights and the fucking you know the the spitting the fucking water and flexing like I don't know man it is like this finely tuned entrance that is like like just optimized to make him look as badass as possible and make like the match that he is in seem as important as possible. I don't know. Something like something about the game entrance hits so fucking hard that it's kind of hard to describe. You know, it just works. It just fucking works, man. If you can't mark for yourself, David, who can mark for you? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, being a mark for yourself in pro wrestling is usually used as a, is in a bad, is like a, you know, a bad way. But man, man, oh man, that's some cool ass shit. So that'll wrap up our coverage of the first part of WrestleMania 26. It's a little unbalanced, you know. We, we've only got four matches left on the uh, on the show, uh, and one of them is like the throwaway divas match so that's like three minutes long but we've got jericho edge we've got the wwe championship match between cena batista and i i know we're going to spend a lot of time on a really iconic match taker sean one of the greatest wrestlemania matches one of the greatest wwe matches ever uh a really really just purely iconic wrestling match so we're i'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on taker sean so that'll be next time on the two and a half marks podcast Second part of WrestleMania 26. So, for my good friend Angela and Lisa, my name is David Statman. Thanks, everybody. For